right. Take number two, the Rackhouse Whiskey Club podcast at the Mississippi River Distilling Company. Uh, take number two, because we had a boat go by that's playing some air music. We're here on the Mississippi River uh, in the Clara, Iowa, where it's a little bit of a, it's a historical town. And I got the, uh, the two owners of Mississippi River Distilling Company here with us today. And uh, introduce yourselves. Who wants to go? Which, which brother wants to go first? You can, don't fight over it. <laughs> I'm Ryan Burchett. I'm Garrett. Garrett. Um, and who, tell us about yourself. So, so Ryan, you, we got the, the weatherman here, which is perfect for whiskey since, since rain makes corn and corn, <laughs> corn makes, makes whiskey. whiskey yeah. Uh, it's a perfect little take here. And then we have the, uh, the brains. Is that what you want to call this guy? Oh, come is that on. That's what I'm going to tell him. <laughs> no, Absolutely. he's the, the engineer, the, uh, the analytical guy, um, over here. So tell us what's the whole genesis of of this company with your guys's backgrounds obviously you two were successful and you left your successful jobs to start uh, distilling some whiskey uh it's tell us a little bit about that there was a law change in iowa um, that started being talked about in about 2008 um pre- previous to that it was illegal to taste or buy spirits at a distillery you could open a distillery but you couldn't sell it to anybody on site uh, like you can at a brewery or a winery and the idea was to open it up, trying to spur tourism in Iowa, um, much like wineries and breweries. Um, I caught wind of it. Garrett and I, Garrett was living in Dallas, wanting to move back to the area. And I kind of told him, well, here's a crazy idea. Why don't you get to work on this? And we joked about it for a while. The more we started talking about it, we're like, this could really be something. Started writing a business plan, doing some training, thinking that the worst thing that ever happened was we learned more about whiskey. Hey, that was still cool. And uh, after a couple years, uh, the law was changing. A local bank was interested. We figured if somebody was willing to loan us money on the deal, we must be on to something. And next thing you know, we're quitting perfectly good day jobs and going to make uh, whiskey for a living. So here we are. So you moved from Dallas, uh, Garrett, to come all the way up to, uh, back to Iowa. Uh, what was your first thought? Did you, are you married? It, well, yeah. My, my wife is from the area. So okay. Uh, she was um, she was on board. Keep that um, microphone. Fist oh, away sorry. There you go. Um, it, it, so we left, uh, graduated from Iowa State University and, and went down uh, to Dallas to kind of experience things and see what we could see. Um, had a good run. We're there for about eight years and enjoyed it. But there's something to be said for Iowa. And... Um, for us in in thinking and planning for a family and things like that we just uh we had had enough of of the city life and and kind of wanted to come back here to Iowa so this was an opportunity for us to do that it was an opportunity to get closer to her family which was on the eastern side of the state here in in Iowa and um it's it just sounds like a lot more fun to make whiskey for a living yeah, no, it sure does. It does, sir. And uh, and I know what you're saying about Iowa. I moved to to Nashville to go to college out there. And when I first moved, I said I'm never coming back. I told my dad that, and I broke his heart. And then, uh, you know, four years later, I, I I was ready to come back home. You know what I mean? It's it's you do appreciate it a lot more when you leave and uh, and realize the people here and and it's you kind of we kind of feel like we're in a little bit of a bubble out here. And it's it's nice. I like this bubble. It's good. Mm. It's good. So, you, you you decided to start a whiskey. What were what were kind of the uh, 
the the hurdles that you had to overcome when to start this like any business there's hurdles but what what was the hurdles obviously in Iowa is a controlled state and uh overcoming some of that legal stuff was huge it was illegal to do what we do here now uh 8 years ago until the law passed um the law passed to allow for retail sales by the bottle um so you could come here you could buy a bot- up to two bottles per person per day and you could have two quarter ounce samples per person per day. So our model was you came, you took a tour, a free tour. We did five free tours a day, of which for the first year and a half, Garrett and I gave every single one of them. And then uh, you got a couple samples in the tasting room. And hopefully you liked it enough to take a few bottles home with you and share with your friends. Then the next hurdle came uh, about two years into it. We started working on that. I'll let Garrett talk about that one because uh, this one's more recent. and He worked hard on it. We um, the the next series of changes was really to level the playing field between us breweries and wineries. Uh, for us, so many customers about sixty thousand people come through our doors every year, and they're tourists, and they have an expectation of what they receive from a brewery or a winery. And for us, we wanted to give them that same experience. And so what we said to lawmakers was, let us provide that same experience uh, that those people are seeing in breweries and wineries. And, and oddly enough, here in Leclerc, we had both uh, within a block or two of, of our establishment. So uh, we went back to those legislature or legislators and, and just said, we need to level this playing field. And luckily enough, here last July, they did so, allowing us to really sell cocktails and drinks by the glass and that has done so much for our business just to allow people to come in and just experience what spirits can do and see how many styles they can be mixed up in and in in how they can take that home showcase it it, you know at different parties and things like that and and the other thing that it did was it opened up those bottle sales allowed us to sell a few more bottles and uh, just let those uh, tourists take that home with them, yeah, uh, and experience that. We have we have people from all fifty states through here, and uh, the the beauty of it is they they take it home and and showcase that with their their friends. Yeah, well, it it makes sense, you know. Cody Road whiskey, uh, you guys are on Cody Road, which uh, Buffalo Bill, uh, you know, was there any dispute over what to call this place when you first did it? I mean, you got the Cody Road Whiskey and Mississippi River Distilling Company. Obviously, you make some other stuff too, but. We uh, we started with Mississippi River Distilling Company because we're like, that's that gives that sense of place. Um, the Mississippi River is obviously a big deal. People know is this isn't, you know, Joe's Creek running down the hill. This is Mississippi River. We're right on the banks. Um but we found out pretty quickly that Mississippi River Distilling Company doesn't just roll off the tongue. <laughs> we, we, that, that's probably an unfortunate side of our branding. But uh, we wanted to tie to the unique history of the area. And Buffalo Bill Cody was literally born, or yeah, born just a, a block and a half down the street. And we knew we couldn't trademark Buffalo Bill's name. Uh, so we went with Cody Road because we felt like it, you know, we could tie to that history, but it, it just, that rolled off the tongue a lot better than Mississippi River Distilling Company. So that's how we ended up with it. And so it's always a little tricky. Um, we're most well known for our whiskey. So there's a lot of folks that um, just 
call us Cody Road, and we're happy with that too. But um, uh, we use both of them back and forth, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Now, why are you more known for your whiskey? I think that the craft distilling industry is about whiskey. I mean, that the, there's only so much you can do with vodka. We sell a lot of vodka, but we sell most of it here locally because every step you take away from this distillery, you know, there's another local vodka that probably is a lot like it because by definition, vodka is odorless and flavorless. Right. So the future of craft is definitely held in the barrel. And I think that, um, you know, the more whiskeys that come along, the more people uh, open their horizons. I mean, that's the beauty of something like Rack House Whiskey Club is you're exposing yourself to all these unique flavors. Um, I like to liken it to when craft beer came along 15, 20 years ago, there was beer and light beer. And if someone would have served you an IPA, you would have thrown up. Now, you know, in the world of whiskey, 90 plus percent of American whiskey is made at eight distilleries the exact same way. And it's good whiskey. Don't get me wrong. I like it too. Sure. But it's uniform. It's the same thing. Um, What craft is bringing to the table are different flavors that I think five, 10, 15 years down the road, people will come to expect. You know, there is a, a an expectation of what American whiskey tastes like right now that is all the same. But say the word scotch. What does that mean? What's that taste like? Well, scotch tastes like anything under the sun. There's a million different flavors, all from this very small, specific region, mm-hmm. making it from the same grain, but in an amazing array of different fashions. That's what America used to be back before Prohibition. And I think that's what we will be again now that you know, we started eight years ago. There's about 200 of these distilleries in the country. By the end of 2018, uh, they're estimating there'll be upwards of 2,000. Right. So it's growing exponentially, literally. Everybody is going to have unique local flavors. And having a chance to experience something from maybe halfway across the country to a whiskey club like Rackhouse is great. But don't forget about the people across the street from you either. Support those local uh, craftsmen. Support the breweries, the wineries, the distilleries. Invest in the flavor that is going to be uniquely your community that's going to be a lot of fun to trade with somebody from somewhere. Yes, that's absolutely. It is kind of going back to what America was the first made on in that, that partnership. You know, Gary, earlier you discussed how, um, and I, you know what, I, I just read about this not long ago actually either, about how Davenport area and the Mississippi River used to be the um, the, the, the epicenter for distilling whiskey. Uh, talk a little bit about, about that. That was interesting. Yeah, the... the, the the thing that, that most people forget is that this is the original highway. Uh, you know, the Mississippi River was the only mode of, of transportation, uh, well, basically prior to, to 1900. And uh, the, the case in point, I always say Keokuk, Iowa, was, was twice the size of Chicago. So um, keep that in mind. But what, what happened was as we were moving up and down the Mississippi River, uh, people were clearing out the uh, timber on either bank and cutting that down and sending it down the, the river to different timber mills and things like that. Uh, here in Iowa, what that also meant was that they would plant another crop. And the only thing that would really grow well in that super sandy bottom that is next to the Mississippi River was rye. And so there was a tremendous amount of rye whiskey that came out of this Midwestern region 
and this was really where whiskey got its start. Uh, I know that Kentucky likes to make a claim to fame and, and put their stamp on it, but our Midwestern states here, and especially Iowa, made a tremendous mark in, in what whiskey would become long term. And so uh, we were growing those grains and, and making fantastic spirits out of it. And that's what we've tried to recreate here. We get our grain uh, just up the road uh, from a couple of brothers uh, named Weary, and they uh, bring our rye to us out of their uh, uh, river bottom, if you will. And uh, we uh, make it into some, some of the finest whiskey here in the Midwest. Yeah, from what I understand, and someone listening to this podcast is going to probably correct us, but I I remember reading it, somewhere like 80-90% of all the whiskey in the United States was produced right right here, uh, around this area, back in those days. I, I, there was a large distillery that was kind of like the MGP that uh, got shut down, and they produced ethanol for a while for chemical companies and stuff like that, but then they just couldn't hold up anymore. There's definitely several distilleries yeah. that are still in the area. There's there's definitely um, remnants of all that. I, I mean, Davenport itself had breweries and distilleries and wineries uh, up and down, malt houses and everything else. I, I just just remember that the population at one point was really concentrated up and down this river. So it, it's not uh, you know out of line to think that you know, all of this was happening up and down this Mississippi River at one point or another. Yeah. So you guys went with Cody Row. Where are all the, di- the types of whiskeys that you guys have and what's uh, what's most popular? Like we were talking about earlier, what did what, you start with and why? We started with bourbon because bourbon is primarily, obviously, a corn whiskey, and we have a lot of corn here. So it right. made sense um, to start laying down uh, bourbon. We made a very small batch of rye whiskey that we released. And it was went over so well. Um, we had a, there's a windmill right on the river in Fulton, Illinois, about a half hour north of us. They ground the rye through the, the windmill for us, and we called it windmill rye. Oh. We released it in little three seven fives. We did that once; it went through the roof, and then we immediately went into full production on that, and that became Cody Road Rye, which is what we make now. The stuff we have now has much more age in it than the original windmill rye is, and it's much more delicious, I would say, too. But that's where that one got its start. Um, we have started laying down what will be Cody Road malt whiskey. Um, that is going into used bourbon barrels. We probably, I, I don't think you'll see it hit the shelf till probably 2020. We want to give this plenty of time in the barrel because it's um, it's going into used barrels. Uh, so that'll be interesting. We also make a 100% corn whiskey that we call Irish whiskey. Yes, we make Irish whiskey and Irish cream liqueur, a play on words, uh, but um, it's distilled not not specifically to taste like an Irish whiskey, but it, it has a smooth character to it like an Irish whiskey yeah, it's would. Good. It's very clean. Um, you know, corn whiskeys are kind of known for being big and bullish, more of a moonshine style. This one's great, aged in new oak, um, a really nice sipper at 80 proof, and uh, so we do that one. But those are our primary whiskeys. Then we take those and we do some flavors with them, which I know will have connoisseurs rolling their eyes, but I would say try it before you uh, make fun of it because we have Cody Road Honey, which is our bourbon. We figure out how much water we need to take it down to proof. Instead of putting water in it, we uh, replace 25% of the volume of the water with real honey from a beekeeper just up the road from us. So it's 
authentic, real honey flavor. We do the exact same recipe with a guy making maple syrup in Garnavillo, Iowa. So Cody Road Maple. Mm. Then we do small batches of uh, what we call seasonals, and that's what the, the Stone Fence apple cider whiskey is, which is our rye whiskey blended with real apple cider instead of water. Um, we do a small batch of what's called uh, Cody Road Double Barrel, Uncommon Double Barrel. So we give our barrels to Bent River Brewery in uh, Moline. They put their Uncommon Stout in it. They release a barrel-aged Uncommon Stout, give the barrels back to us. We fill it with aged whiskey again cool. for another year and then release it every year at uh, the day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday. And so that barrel's just actually right there. It's pointing at it. So, um, so that one comes out. Um, what are there any small batch whiskeys? I'm forgetting about that we do hit and miss or back and forth. We do. Yeah, we've got some other double barrel projects down here. It's like putting it into some local winery barrels and things like that. Well, the nice thing is we can experiment and just release. That's cool you that know, you guys can do. Twenty five, fifty cases if we want. That's fine. Let's say the other the other thing is just the the private label does it. Yeah, my whiskey. Well, the, so we have the, the My Whiskey program that allows basically anyone to come into the distillery, uh, choose their their ingredients, uh, blend and match. We, we keep a lot of just distillate here uh, that's unaged just to try and kind of blend and marry and see what they think. And, and basically they choose what the recipe is. Uh, some of them come in mash it with us, distill it through, take it through the whole process. We put it in a barrel and, and age it to their liking. And uh, it can sit here for a month. It can sit here for 10 years. It's it, it's all kind of up to them. But we have several barrels back here. There, there's basically several rows that are dedicated to these My Whiskey programs. We've had uh, a gentleman that, that uh, got engaged. It was Mary Me was the was the my whiskey we had a, a group of firefighters that did a fundraiser we've had uh bar owners uh just flat out guys that wanted to name their own we had a construction company and a few other things so we've had a little bit of everybody that that wanted their own whiskey that could come in do a batch enjoy it have fun with it and and kind of age it and uh just see where it went yeah to kind of I want to circle back around to um, I'm always interested in in the in the distillers and the individual stories and the the owners of these places that I go to to hear why they're doing what they're doing. And, you know, you guys have an interesting story of your own. And, you know, I think the average person would ask themselves, you know, why would why would these guys quit their their, these great gigs? You know, that that was also a big risk to take in life. a lot of us get ran down by the busy everyday life going into the city doing that whole thing you obviously went to both went to school difficult schools um you know to 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 end up getting a degree and you were on television for a while which i'm sure there's a lot of young people out there that are getting into meteorology that would love to get that gig and i'm not saying speak to those people but speak to your average guy who is looking to maybe change uh, something, maybe not necessarily going to whiskey distilling, but talk about your own story and why you took that leap of faith to start doing this. Huh? <laughs> well, I, I, I don't think it was ever a leap. Okay. And, and that's what everybody always pitches this idea. They want it 
to see that day when you, when was it? When was the day that you jumped off the cliff or, or anything like that? And, and I think for us, Ryan and I were just working so hard to realize a dream and realize a vision and just see where we could go that that cliff never arrived. And, and luckily for us, there were enough investors, there were enough people that were involved and believed in the idea that that, that cliff, so to speak, just kind of passed over. And for us, or it, at least for me, I look back on it and I can never say I would change it. But I can always tell what we heard early on was put it to paper and prove yourself right. And there's never a bad idea. There's never a bad concept. At least write it down. Play it out. Write the business. And, you know, what you do in your time at night when you're not working your day job is, is really not a big deal. And, uh, you know, you may find out that it's the best answer for your family. And, and you know what? Uh, you know, to some people, it's not millions of dollars. To, to some people, it's having that peace of mind of having a little bit of flexibility uh, here and there. And for me, at least, and I'll let Ryan kind of uh, tell his story, too. But um, for me, I know that this place has been just fun to return to the idea of we grew up uh, our dad and his three other brothers ran a road construction business and there were things that we did as children working 25 cents an hour sweeping a floor or whatever that meant a lot to us and now we've got kids that can come in here and uh, I know it's a whiskey distillery, but they can still sweep a floor. Yeah, you know of what I mean. <laughs> yeah, and so try this some, whiskey, son. What do you think? There's some there's some aspects of this that 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 carry over, and, it, and it's just fun to see, um, you know, your kids looking at you, knowing that they're going to the shop, or you know, how, however it is. But um, I can honestly say, don't ever look back. Write it down, give it a shot, and uh, don't think twice about it because it, it may just turn out to be uh, one of the best decisions you make. And I think that uh, that not looking back part, um, if if you're somebody that's going to look over your shoulder, you probably shouldn't do it because um, it will never be easy. Um, starting a distillery is no different than starting a hardware store. It's just a lot sexier. And you can drink on the job, so I guess it is different. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I get people all the time that say, well, do you miss weather? Do you miss TV? Do you whatever? And I say, no, I, I'm not a rearview mirror guy. Uh, I made that decision. I enjoyed that career. It was great. I accomplished what I set out to do. And then I moved on to something else cool and exciting that I love. And um, if it all went up in flames tomorrow, uh, knock on wood. Um, <laughs> yeah. I would find something else that would be exciting and fun and whatever, and I wouldn't look over my shoulder. I wouldn't trade the experience uh, for anything. It's been stressful. I mean, you got to be ready to work hard. You got to understand that it never goes away. You can't go to bed at night without thinking about it and uh, all the things that go with that. But uh, it's worth it. If uh, if you have an idea and you think you can pull it off, it's worth trying, uh, yeah. even if it doesn't all come together. So 
Yeah. Now we were talking about that and just kind of in general, uh, starting a business and running a business is they're, they're all just kind of shit shows that just uh, get are <laughs> controlled shit shows mm-hmm. just constantly solving problems. More problems happen. You solve those, but that's kind of, that's kind of part of the growth in life in general, right? I mean, uh, you're not going to have, uh, freedom and you're not going to have fun and happiness if you don't solve yeah. these problems. It's- it's nice knowing that it's your shit show. Sure. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. If you're part of someone else's shit show, that's the way worse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah no, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, we have thoroughly enjoyed our time here. Um, this is the first time, you know, I, I grew up in Iowa and I live here and I've never actually been to LeClaire, Iowa before. It took you so damn long. So I know I've heard, uh, we when we told friends and family that we're coming out to LeClaire, every single person was like oh that town is awesome you're gonna love it it's beautiful that's where the american pickers are that's where you heard all this stuff um and uh and they're correct so uh thank you for for bringing us we're really excited to have your guys' stuff in the rack house whiskey box um and uh i say that we go have a drink and, and cap off the night and uh do you guys have any any last words for for your guys distillery cody road just remember those two that's it. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, guys.